I'd like to now introduce Carol. Yay. Hi, my name is Carol. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, Carol. Uh, that was a very hard act to follow. I just got to say, I'm not going to stand up because I'm kind of lazy. So um, anyway, um, I came into OA in 1986, and uh, I really didn't want to. I did not want to go to OA. Like there couldn't have been anything less cool than going to OA. Um, it met in a church. Um, there were a lot of women uh, who were wearing like these kind of muumu dresses, um, and uh, it was just not a cool thing, you know. I uh, I was 26, so you can do the math on that one. Um, <laughs> and I had probably, you know, like a week before, been to a dead show and really high out of my mind. And so the last thing I wanted to do was go to an OA meeting in a church basement or something, you know. <laughs> So, um, and uh, at my first meeting, I, all I could think of was, oh, my God, I am so not like these people, these people, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, I just need to lose weight. Um, if I lose weight, everything will be okay. You know, I'll fit in. Somehow life's going to work out, and there, there you go. Um, and if you, I'm passing around pictures, which kind of show you... Um, my recovery and what it was like in OA in the 80s and in the 90s and into the millennium. Um, and I just want to say that uh, I uh, now have about over five and a half years of abstinence um, and I've lost... Um, but really, I only have today. It's really about today. It's not about like, uh, you know, a bunch of time that's gone by or whatever. Um, and I've lost uh, 86 pounds, which I never thought was ever going to be possible because um, when you hit 250, you kind of lose all hope that it's possible to change in any way, really. And having been in OA for so many friggin' years, I really thought that, like, in Santa Cruz, which is where I got into OA, people took chips because of uh, how long they came to OA. So, oh, I've been in OA 11 years. Like, I got an 11-year chip. And um, something always seemed a little bit amiss for me with that because one of the, there was like a prevalent attitude that just because you went to meetings, just because you'd been there for a long time, it was some kind of an insurance policy against non-recovery. But it never really touched upon the idea of what really abstinence was. People would talk about, uh, oh, three meals a day, nothing in between. And uh, except that most people were like three meals a day, a couple of snacks, and then, you know, maybe a cake could count as protein. I don't know. I mean, it was like there was a lot of like gray area of stuff because in 1986 they had just done away with gray sheet. And so, um, and gray sheet was a very defined food plan. And um, I just want to say that when I came out of relapse in 2009, after I had hit the 250 point and I was really over it, um, I started um, following, uh, I was weighing and measuring my food, I ate three meals a day, um, and at that time I was having like a little snack and I lost about 50 pounds or so, and that went on for several years, but then I got into how because I wanted to... Um, I just wanted to be a lot more black and white about my food. I didn't ever want there to be any issue about, am I abstinent? Was I abstinent today? Like, abstinence was somehow this, like, 
you know, very controversial word, like, oh, abstinence, huh, no. Like, one of the things I'm really grateful for today is, uh, is I'm grateful that I'm not lying about whether I'm abstinent or not. Like, I'm really clear. Like, it's black and white for me. And that black and whiteness has given me so much freedom to deal with the real challenges of life that happen every single day. Because if I got a gray zone going on with food, if I build a back door into my food plan, like, well, I might need a snack. It's like, what am I? I'm not in a concentration camp. Like, you know, it's kind of like I'm in the real world here. And I can get through the day without having a snack. Um, so that kind of, like, very clear stuff with my food is really, really helpful. Um, and I just wanted to quickly read this description about how, because people might be going, what's that? Um, in how they follow uh, a food plan, um, it's not a diet, it's a food plan. You make your own choices within a context of, you know, this is, this is like what's suggested for breakfast amounts, this is what's suggested for lunch, this is what's suggested. It's all about amounts and type, that's it. I mean, I was sort of doing that before I started doing how anyway. Um, it's structured sponsoring, and it's structured step work where you do steps one through three over a 30-day period um, where you answer a question a day. Uh, you go to meetings, and you make phone calls. End of story. I'm done with my how pitch. Okay. So um, I screwed around with my food for, uh, you know, 20 years easily. Um, and I thought that I was abstinent because I pretty much ate really healthy. And, uh, and that was uh, somehow enough. However, I never really lost weight. Like, if I lost weight, it was because um, I'd done some kind of weird commercial diet crap. And, um, or, I, or I had gone to Weight Watchers, or there was some kind of cockamamie diet of the time, and I did it because some of my friends did it or whatever. <laughs> And, of course, there would come that point where I couldn't sustain that, and so I would pretty much go off whatever that was. And, uh, but really, the bottom line was the reason why I screwed around with my food was that I really did not have the tools to deal with how I felt about anything. And I thought that if I ate, I could take the edge off of my grief, my fear, my sadness, my insecurity, my self-loathing, if I just ate a little bit more, you know, Thanksgiving was like, you know, stuffing and potatoes could take the edge off of the anxiety of a really uncomfortable meal with people I really don't like. Um, <laughs> except that in reality, it really didn't. It just made it worse. And then I hated myself more. And so it made the holiday even worse. Like, if it could possibly be any more uncomfortable, I had, like, increased that, that experience. Um, and so from 1986 to about 2000, I worked the steps three different times. I had three different sponsors. I really did work the steps. I mean, I was really, really doing work. I went to therapy for 15 years, um, you know, beyond the whole 1986 to whatever. Um, and I really tried hard to learn a way to somehow be with how I felt and it was very challenging, and um, one of the things I'm really grateful for today is that I have the tools of the program to deal with the challenges of everyday life. 
So when I get wigged out about something, I make phone calls immediately. I'm writing a 10th step. Like, uh, who wants to really write a 10th step? But you know what? It really works, you know? And so it's kind of like, if that's what it takes, like, I can write a 10th step. I'm not a moron, you know? I have that willingness, you know, because, you know, as my sister said, like, four or five months ago, you know what your problem is, Carol? You... Um, are in too many A's. You're in too many anonymous programs. You have no more healthy sense of denial. And <laughs> that is actually exactly true. I, I really, I, it's like something happens and like I'm immediately like, what does that mean? I've got to make a phone call, like now, you know? And you know how I used to be was like, it would be all about cravings. And oh, that would fix me. I'm going to that's where I'll go. It was like, then that became my focus, because I didn't want to deal with the issue, whatever the issue was. And when I took out flour, um, I, I should also say that I found out um, when I got abstinent in 2009 that I had celiac disease, which I didn't know. I just thought, I thought everybody was a gas bag, you know? <laughs> I, just, I just figured, like, everybody was, like, constantly, like, gassy, and, like, if you bent over to pick up something, you were like, well, you know? <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I thought like isn't everyone? I mean, you know, I I was so like not in touch with my body, and my sponsor said, well, you know, I would really suggest that you uh, you know let go of flour and sugar and you know and just see how it goes. The no flour, you know, for like two weeks. And at first I thought, are you insane? Like give up a piece of bread? Like so I did that, and then I actually ended up getting really sick because there was this whole sort of detox thing and. Anyway, so that really changed my life. It was a real blessing and a curse, because I really thought that bread was basically a delivery vehicle for butter. And then, <laughs> like a loaf of bread was bread, you know, or half a loaf, you know, it's like... Um, and so, anyway, um, so when I got rid of the flour and I got rid of the sugar, I got rid of the cravings. And suddenly, food was really about nutrition. And, and then one of the ways that I've been able... Um, one of the ways I've been able to um, stay abstinent has been that I really love what I eat. I never eat food that I think I should eat. You know, that whole, like, uh, thing from the 60s and the 70s, like a diet meal was cottage cheese and a, um, a sensible salad and a hamburger patty. Like, oh, my God, I'm throwing up in my mouth just thinking of it. <laughs> so anyway... Um, I uh, I really love what I eat, and I try to make it. Um, I may, I cook every day, like three times a day. I rarely go out to eat. Partially, it's a you know it's that whole celiac thing, but also I eat a lot of vegetables, and so I you know I kind of eat a lot, and it bugs me to go to a restaurant and be like, where's the rest of it, you know? <laughs> so, which sounds funny as a compulsive overeater and a person who like is abstinent, but trust me, it's it's really true. Um, I uh, have really found that um, there's a thing in the um, 11th step at the end in the OA 12 and 12 where it says prayer and meditation are links to this unfailing source. Well, actually it goes, a higher power is the only source of help that is always available to us, always strong enough to lift us up and set our feet on the path of life. Prayer and meditation are links to this unfailing source. Practice regularly, they open our lives to the comfort we sought in food but could never find. And I really thought that if I ate something, just fill in the blank, um, that 
I'd be able to deal with whatever it was that was sort of coming at me. But um, what I found is that now, you know, I pray and I meditate every day, usually twice a day. Um, and I got really into Buddhism when I came out of relapse in 2009. Because, well, actually, I started the whole Buddhist trip many years before that. But um, it became a really important thing because it allowed me to be able to sit with myself and sit with my feelings, which is something that was very alien to me. I spent my whole life pushing it away. And, you know, um, one of the things I wanted to say about the pictures that I'm passing around is that um, you'll see that I was, like, overweight, and then I was thin, and then I was overweight, and then I was thin, and then I was, like, really overweight, and the whole time that I was really overweight, I kept thinking, no, no, I'm abstinent, like, no, no, it's cool, um, you know, I eat broccoli, and, you know, it was, like, really incredible denial, um, and one of the things that I get from the 11th step from the whole prayer and meditation is that ability to be honest and to really look at what's going on. Um, and today I'm really grateful because um, there's a whole series of things uh, that I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that I know that OA is not about the food. And anybody who's in here today who's really thinking it's about the food, not really how it is because <coughs> all the 12-step programs are not about the substance. And, um, you know, for today, I'm really grateful that I know that I can make phone calls, I can talk to people, I can be honest with myself and others about things, and I have choices. And that's a really big thing, because I don't want to use something outside myself to delude myself to think that, oh, well, that will, that's going to fix me. And it's not. Um, you know, Carl Jung said that, I am not what has happened to me. I am what I choose to become. Mm -hmm. And um, that really resonates for me because, you know, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family and um, I spent a lot of my life being really overweight, being the fat girl in the room. And um, I have become a, another person, and I've become another person because I really have worked the steps now for the fifth time, but um, because I have a willingness to go to any lengths. I have a willingness to be honest about what's really going on, and, and that means that I have a willingness to be really uncomfortable about things, and as we've already discussed ad nauseum, nobody in here wants to feel uncomfortable, um, <laughs> but, you know, it's how it is, um, and... I know that I'm more than my disease, and I know that I'm more than my recovery. So I guess I'll end there.